welcome to episode 186 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on Monday, 9th of April, 2018. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. And now for a limited time, new customers to Jensen USA who are referred by the spokesman get 10% off one item. Simply enter the spokesman, no spaces, at checkout. Hi there, I'm Carlton Reed of BikeBiz.com, and today's episode is a conversation with Cherry Dipple, owner of Road Bike Shop 23C Cycles of Stony Stratford, Milton Keynes, England. She opened that shop at the tender age of 22, and we discuss that as well as the future of bike retail. But first, I asked her about being awarded with the Woman of the Year in the recent Bike Biz Awards. These awards were open to a public vote and adjudicated by members of the industry. I am with Kerry Dipple. Now, Kerry is uh, the 2018 Bike Biz Woman of the Year. Now, Kerry, I talked to you uh, before the awards were announced because we were trying to get in touch with you. And at that point, I didn't know you're being made uh, 2018 Woman of the Year at all. Like, I, I don't get involved in the the behind-the-scenes stuff on the, the awards. That would be a bit unfair. Um, but just d- describe the evening that you had because it was, it's like an Oscars. You go, you, you, there's many other uh, awards presented on the night. There are many other uh, fine nominees who are in all these different categories, including your category. So just describe what happened on the night and, 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 and what it was like for you. Yeah, so it was it was quite cool. Um, I didn't make it to the bike show beforehand, unfortunately. So we just went straight to the awards. Um, there was yeah some food and stuff, and then everyone sat down for for the awards to be announced. Um, it was a bit strange for me because like obviously everyone going up for the awards, everyone knew who the brands were. Uh, most people were going up on behalf of companies and things like that. But when it got to the sort of Woman of the Year award, it was a little bit strange because. I guess most people in the room didn't have a clue who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was a great opportunity to catch up with some people that, that I knew and um, yeah, and meet some new, new faces and, and make some new contacts as well. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It, 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 it's getting people to mix and hopefully getting to know you as well. So you say people don't know you. Well, they do now. Yeah, that, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm a, hopefully a name that people will, uh, will come across quite a bit in the future. I think so too. Now, you were a late starter, Kerry, in that it took you until 22 until you founded your bike shop. Why why so late uh, at developing a, a business? Um I don't know if I'd say it was late. I'm kidding. Kerry, I'm kidding. So it's like <laughs> it's unbelievable that you founded a bike shop at 22. So what was going on there? How come you founded a bike shop at, at that age? Um I guess it was naivety at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd left school. I didn't want to go to university. Um, I got a job in a bike shop. Um, had a few other jobs as well, um, sort of in the cycle industry, and then just decided I could do it better myself. Um, yeah. 
not not quite it didn't quite go to plan like that <laughs> and there are probably a few people that uh, uh yeah watch, watch what i've been doing but um but yeah it's, it's been it's been an interesting few few years what was it 23c from the beginning is that what it's always been called that's what it's always been called yeah um it was nothing to do my age it was just the width of a road tire yes we were you know sort of specialize more in road bikes that's kind uh, of a, that's very skinny nowadays i mean that's like you know we're all riding much fatter tires nowadays exactly the question's been asked are we mm. going to rename the shop <laughs> um, but no i don't think so <laughs> okay now just let's let's ground it for everybody to to work out where you are so you're basically in a little village outside of milton Keynes, yeah yeah so sort of right on the edge of milton Keynes. i guess we're kind of classed as milton Keynes because it's kind of swallowed um stony stratford up but yes yeah, so it's a great little town it's got a really busy high street um, yeah, and you don't actually have to go through Milton Keynes to get to us, which is the best bit. And, and you are the best bike shop in town because you're the only bike shop in town, I'm guessing. We've got a cycle king down the road. Oh, um, really? I don't want, I don't want, to, I don't want to comment on that. But, <laughs> okay. um, yeah, we're not really competition. So. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, very different <laughs> markets there. So the market you're going for is still high-end road because you became a, Bi- a Bianchi-only store, yes? Yeah, a couple of years ago, um, we were in discussions with Bianchi. Uh, about going single brand um, it just seemed to fit with what we were doing and what we wanted to do um and yeah we, we work really closely with them it's a good relationship to have and they're a yeah cool brand to to work with really so in in today's retail market i, I would like to get on to how the future will fare later on but just you're doing a very very specialist bike shop you're doing a road bike shop and then you're you're decreasing your 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 catchment of customers even further by then having Bianchi so that must have been a hell of a decision to to in effect restrict yourself but do you find it at all restrictive or is that something that if you absolutely define your customer they'll they'll travel you know from from miles and miles um yeah I guess it depends what so how you look at it, I guess you've got some customers who want a specific bike um, and obviously and they, they will travel. Um, and then you've also got people who want a bike. And like we can we can cater in terms of road bikes, we can cater for most people in terms of what we offer. Um, I guess if you go back maybe when we opened the shop sort of 10 years ago, if you had four brands, you probably had 80% of the market. So you could pretty much sell a bike to anyone. Mm. Now, if you've got four brands, people will still come in and leave looking at other options because there are just so many small brands, own brand products out there now. Um, like you, you can't really keep everyone happy. So rather than try and do everything badly, because people expect to walk into a shop and see the bike they're looking at, rather than try and do it every brand badly we just thought we'd we'd do one brand well um and yeah i think think we we haven't really restricted ourselves we've not seen sales go down we've just seen sales shift to another brand so yeah we've not it's not had a negative impact on the on the shop at all Mm -hmm. so when you are selling to a a a customer you're going to get people coming in who are not roadies just walking down the high street and they come in are you selling to those people or are you are you absolutely if, if you're not a you know a card holding you know c- category riding uh, roadie 
then you're just not going to be able to buy anything in your shop. Just just describe what your shop uh, and, and who it sells to. Um, I'd say most of our customers aren't racing. Um, most, uh, I guess, fall into that sort of mammal category. Um, the we, we do still sell some hybrids and things. We sell some mountain bikes. Bianchi have got sort of a range of, of both of those. Um, and they've obviously got e-bikes as well now, sort of just, just launched sort of the beginning of this year. So, yeah, we've got other bikes we can cater for. We've we've specialised more in road bikes because that's kind of what we what we do and what we know. Um, is there a limited life on that sort of sector of the market? Potentially it might decrease, but at the same time, we've still got all our sort of servicing and accessory sales and things like that for those customers that we've already, that we've already got. So yeah, maybe acquisition of new customers will be slightly different with sort of different, different sectors. But yeah, at the moment we, we don't want to sort of throw all our eggs into the sort of e-bike market and things like that and risk sort of damaging the, the customer base that we've, we've built up over the years. So I'm saying that you're a roadie only shop, but you're saying you, you are sucking other things. But of course, you also have a coffee shop. So that's bringing in uh, non-cycling customers too. I yeah, see. absolutely. Yeah, we, um, I guess we, we get lots of normal people in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, uh, we, yeah, we've got a cafe that takes up probably 35% of the floor space in the shop. So reasonable size. And yeah, throughout the week as well, right in the centre of the high street where we're quite busy in the cafe as well. Do you convert people who come in who didn't know they wanted a bike? Um, no, I don't think so from a bike sales perspective, but in terms of accessory sales and sort of gift sales and things like that, then yeah, there's, there's definitely a conversion there. And if you don't mind me asking, how profitable is the coffee shop compared to the bike shop part of the business? So... Does one wash the other's face or could one survive without the other? How, how does it fit in for in, in your business plan? Um, they're both profitable. The cafe is, like from a profit margin perspective, significantly higher. But then obviously the turnover is a lot less. So they, they kind of work well together, really. Um, yeah, I think we're fortunate with the footfall that we get. The cafe is quite busy. I think if we if we were in sort of a small industrial estate or something like that or off the beaten track, the cafe wouldn't sort of warrant itself being there. But um, yeah, where, where we are, they both, they both sort of wash their faces. Because you're, you're High Street, so it is the High Street, Stony Stratford, yeah? Yes, yeah. Which is the old, I mean, here's my history, uh, historian's hat kicking in. This is the, the Roman road that uh, went through, so that's why it's called Stony in that it's, you know, it's the stones that were dug up on the road. So it's Stony Stratford. Um, so you, you, it's like a, a major road you're on. It's like a, it's a, a high street. Yeah, it's, um, we've got like bypasses and stuff. So we don't get, it is a single way high street. So it's quite an old school high street. Um, it's what, yeah, just one way. But um, yeah, it, it's very, it's still very accessible. Yeah. So when you said an old school high street, so that's like, so you're not getting lots and lots of passing cars because of the, the bypasses. So you've got lots of traditional type shops. What, what, how is the high street in Tony Stratford? How is it faring compared to, you know, having supermarkets nearby, that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's quite strong. Uh, it's more and more over the past few years, shops sort of becoming empty and new shops popping up. There's loads of hairdressers, Indian takeaways, but there's lots of little independent shops as well. Um, 
yeah, a fairly high turnover of shops, I'd say. Um, but we've also got your boots and your plenty of old school pubs as well. Mm-hmm. I, I will be coming down at some point, by the way, because uh, Stony Stratford is uh, one of the locations that had a 1930s cycleway put in. So it was actually the second one that was ever put in in the UK was put in in, in Stony Stratford because you used to have a like a, a railway, like a, a town railway, and they, they converted that track, that track bed, into a protected cycleway in uh, 1935, I believe. So I have got to come down and, and, and see your shop because I've got to go and see that particular cycle track at some point. Cool, sounds good. Yeah, pop hmm. in. Now then, your... Um, the Bianchi sponsorship, or the Bianchi, sorry, the Bianchi kind of like a brand in, in the in the shop, transfers onto a sponsorship that you, you're or your involvement with with a team. So tell us about Team on Form. Yeah, so Team on Form's been fantastic. Um, it was a new team that was launched last year, um, around sort of a development sort of program with Rittle College. Um, so there's a few sort of elements of it there was a women's sort of side of it and they were hugely successful last year and there's also um Rittle College have got uh, like a cycling degree mm. so a lot of the students on that are quite into the obviously they're cycling they're looking to venture into various sort of areas of cycling so not, not necessarily just becoming professional but sort of coaching and things like that so yeah a partnership with those guys was fantastic because um, it gave some a stepping stone for a lot of the the students to become involved with cycling in some some way or another. Yeah, because I've done stories on it on Bitebiz, so it, it's a kind of a relatively new degree, most couple of years old. The degree. Yeah, I think it's yeah two or three years old. Yeah, it's been going for a few years, but yeah, it, very very new. I guess it came in when um, the requirement for school leaving age increased slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's 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 been good. It's good. Yeah, good. So it's good for us to be involved we don't get hugely involved with the like day-to-day running of the team i can't take certainly can't take credit for that um but yeah from a sort of a support role we're, we're certainly there um and the, the infrastructure and everything for the team from from simon house who's yeah very much running the team is is fantastic and and tell me you 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 got into creating a shop and you got into before that working for a bike shop and then probably also supporting a team here it's because you yourself race um not much anymore <laughs> you, you used to race is that what you, how you came in bit. yeah I've done a little bit of racing I, I never I guess I've always put my efforts into work rather than sport so yeah just lose myself in work but yeah I've, I've done a little bit yeah and what about me- mechanicking and spannering is, is that something that are you sci-tech how, how what, what are you qualified at um yeah i can i can build a bike um i i've got a site level two but i kind of just did a qualificate well i did the assessment day for that only about a year ago um just because i felt i needed a bit of paper that said i could do something mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah i do i do quite a lot of mechanics i do quite a lot of the bike builds um in the shop and i also do like, event support through um another company so i'm contracted to do to do that as well so yeah i get, I get a bit involved in that so coffee shop, bike shop, two of the things, you know, adding a coffee shop is what, what people have been saying for years you need to do. And then the, 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 always the other one that comes up is bike fitting. So you, yeah. you, you do bike fitting in the store? 
Yeah, we do bike fitting. Yeah, we um, I guess probably about eight 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 years ago or something. I think we were like the second shop to do uh, retail fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually stopped doing that. I think five years, five six years ago. Um, predominantly because I guess by that time everyone had got the system and mm-hmm. it just became obviously it's a it's a tool at the end of the day. It's it's not really or certainly wasn't a system, um, but anyone and everyone could could buy it and the price was just getting driven down and people were just saying yeah we can offer this level of fit for a fraction of the cost and i got i guess the the name of the fit system or the tool kind of almost trumped the experience of the fitter and i think it's still relevant today really with a lot of a lot of tools out there Mm. um yeah like you or i could just walk in buy a fit system and class ourselves as a fitter Mm um i'm a little bit skeptical on all of that (laughs) i think yeah experience definitely trumps tools but Mm. so half science but then there's always the the half intuition and and just knowledge yeah definitely knowledge yeah you can't be knowledge i think in any in any any area at all yeah what about women's specific design then is that is that snake oil stuff or is that yeah i've never never rated that at all marketing <laughs> um, <laughs> why not i'll buy you the fits you or it doesn't but yeah i think everyone's so different i think yeah the geometry i think the the one thing that women's specific design gave people was the uh, the range of sizes so often a, a i guess a unisex bike would stop at say a 50 centimeter and until sort of women's specific bikes came out it didn't really go that small whereas now yeah, I think there's such a broad range of sizes across brands that, yeah, it's more just the does the geometry fit you or, or not, really, mm. rather than, yeah, does it say it's women specific? Mm. Now, you're not a, a, a woman's shop, but you're no, a woman running the business. So is there anything that you bring to the business that you think uh, a shop that's like, because clearly you will know that the the bike industry gets slammed all the time from from women for being a sausage fest of being way too male dominated and women go into bike shops and they feel uh belittled patronized you know you know that kind of you know pink it and shrink it type stuff so what do you bring to the shop that's perhaps uh different to that kind of machismo cycling culture um good question i'll be totally honest I I'm probably the worst person to ask because I, I don't see I don't get this whole male female thing. It's just like we're all people at the end of the day. Um, I can I can see it's intimidating if you go into an environment where you don't know what you're talking about. I can completely relate to that, um, but I don't necessarily see that gender needs that comes into it. Um, like we get loads of guys that come in and they're just like I haven't got a clue how to fix a puncture, mm. and you can tell they're embarrassed about it um it's just make just make them feel welcome don't try and belittle any anyone really um you can laugh about it afterwards when they realize what they should have done or what the mistake they've been making um but yeah i i, I don't know like, we don't really cater hugely for women's like women's specific stuff um i've never really tried to push it down that that route um we've done we've done a little bit but it, yeah, it is a minefield, if I'm honest. I mean, it's a small market. It's a really small target market. 
obviously yes it's growing but you sort of how much can you dedicate to that mm. in order to make your business viable because at the end of the day it's like it comes down to what what makes business sense it's, it's great having something that looks great from the outside but if you've got product there that you can't sell mm-hmm. and that just sits there and doesn't generate any revenue then yeah it, ha- it has to go and if that's women's specific product unfortunately you have to be quite pragmatic about it and, yeah and do what's best for the business do, do you sell stuff online or everything in store um every, I'd, everything's in store you you could go online and buy something but i yeah we don't we don't really generate huge revenue from from that at all but we try and encourage people to come in store so we can actually offer them i guess what we can do as a bike shop yeah advice and, and sizing and stuff like that mm. so tell us about your staff um so we've got probably about seven staff um three of them are part-time everyone else is full-time um yeah they're, they're, they're all cyclists in their shop so they all ride bikes road mountain bike all fairly experienced from that respect um they're all quite young quite enthusiastic um yeah both of both of the guys have raced um so yeah they, they kind of un- understand what cycling is all about um and can can chat to people okay and you, you have a servicing area um so people can bring their bikes it doesn't have to be a bianchi people can bring their bikes in and get them fixed yeah yeah absolutely yeah um we'll pretty much service any brand so there are only like the odd thing that we can't do where maybe it has to go back to to manufacturers or something like that or it's just sourcing parts has been been difficult in the past but on the in those instances we'd just be honest with the customer but we can yeah we can pretty much do and do anything um again predominantly road just because that's what our market's been and that's what we've built up over over the years but yeah we we do service mountain bikes as well on, on occasion so are you like a, a destination shop for roadies? You like have a Saturday morning ride and people come in for a, a quick espresso before they go for a ride. How are you How are you plugged into the local scene? Yeah, so Stony Stratford's been a sort of starting point for one of the biggest clubs, Team Milton Keynes, for, for years. So we get quite a lot of the guys pop in sort of before the ride and then after the ride as well. Um, but we'll also get a lot of people pop into the shop sort of mid-rides there will be a cafe stop for them mm-hmm. um so whether it's clubs from like bister or um toaster and places like that um yeah we'll, we'll get we get quite a few people pop in big groups as well we did um I think we were one of the checkpoints on an audax a couple of weeks ago um on yeah east weekend so yeah we had yeah a lot of people popping in for their cards to be stamped and for a coffee and cake as on on route as well so you're ticking all the boxes here, aren't you? So you've got bike fit, you've got servicing, you've got a cafe, you're like a destination store uh, for for local cycling clubs and that kind of stuff. So so all of the things that people have been talking about in bike retail for many, many years, you've got to do all of these things. You're pretty much doing all of these things. Yeah, we're doing most of them. Um, I guess to us, it's nothing new. It does make me laugh when... Um, I'm not laugh, but it just makes me smile when you read sort of these. These are what every shop should be doing. Mm. Um, no one is a solution to sort of the problems in the industry at the moment and the challenges. Um, but I think, yeah, definitely, it's just exploring new ways of doing things and just additional revenue streams, really. 
So, so those, let's talk about those challenges, because I, I, every time I do an editorial at the moment, I, I seem to be cutting uh, other people will be cutting their wrists with, with what I say in the mag, because the, the, the bike retail scene is absolutely it's not going through an evolution it's going through a revolution in that it can be incredibly tough out there lots of bike shops have been closing in the last 18 months and it's just it's just even ones that you know have lasted 100 years and have lasted through many other uh downturns which the bike industry has had are now going so there's clearly something different happening with with today's marketplace it's not just like previous downturns so how do you see the market today and how do you see it changing in the near future um i think there'll, there'll always be a place for a, an independent bike shop um there's always going to be a need for things to be repaired um there's always going to be a need for people to sort of pop in and just chat about what they enjoy doing i think that's always going to be there i think the the biggest shift is the way people buy products because ultimately independent shops have generated most of their revenue from product sales and that's the biggest thing now is that you can't generate that same revenue from from product sales so i think and that's not just that's not just from a cycle industry perspective a lot of stuff shifting online and no matter how hard you try, you're never going to be able to compete with the likes of Wiggle, Amazon. They're, they're just they're just shifting a lot of boxes on smaller margins, and it's it just does, it won't fit with what an independent shop's all about. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a race to the bottom that an independent can't compete in. So the fact that you're with Bianchi helps there because it's not a brand that is traditionally sold at deep discounts you know by every other bike shop um yeah i guess you see it both ways it could be a threat that we're a single brand but also could be a a positive um yeah it's not a brand that's heavily discounted um but it's as as with as with any brand um but it's not it's not our brand so we don't we don't have control over what happens to it distribution of product pricing and things like that so yeah it's, it's a it's a difficult one really and it's not just bike sales for us like P&A sales are as important as bike sales um yeah we see group sets as a classic it's, it's always been sort of cheaper to buy online than you mm-hmm. can buy at trade um mm-hmm. it's just it's, I guess product sales in general it's 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 needing the customer to want to come to you for advice and to buy a product and not to think that you're just going to be hugely overpriced. I think that's, that's the biggest challenge is trying to sort of build up trust with the customers that, yeah, you're there for their benefit. You're not there to sort of stitch them up. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so tell us about this Goldman Sachs thing that you did. So that this was a, a an entrepreneurial um, course in effect. Yeah, so um, I got an email through sort of end of the summer um, and just, yeah, just, just saw something about it, um, clicked on it and went to apply. I sort of thought I'd try and apply for it, um, just see what I needed to do to apply for it because it sounded quite interesting. It was free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, yeah, when I got through, there were pages and pages of application stuff to fill in. I thought, wow, no, I haven't got time for this. Um 
and a, a few weeks later um, I got a phone call from them saying I started my application did I need any help with it mm-hmm. um, and I thought oh yeah I forgot I'd even even started that um, so I, yeah I, I filled it in over over a few weeks because there was quite a lot of it um, I think submitted it classic Dipple style about a minute before the, the deadline closed but yeah I got an interview for it um, and then yeah managed to get a, a place on it and it's um, yeah it changed my whole view I guess my whole outlook on on business and I guess the opportunities that were out there um, so yeah it's been sort of since I finished that last year um, yeah we've changed a few things in store a few things the way the, the business runs behind the scenes and things um but yeah it's also yeah just just open my eyes as to what may be possible so it's like a it's like a business development so it was it was an educational thing not just a networking thing yeah it's, it's like um they i guess they described it as a bit of a mini mba really hmm. um there's no like formal qualification you come out of it with um the, the focus of the course is like a business growth plan so it's all about learning i guess about business and different aspects of it um alongside other people in your sort of position um and yeah you come you come out of it with a growth plan um i'll be totally honest my growth plans stayed sealed and (laughs) i've not looked at it since um but yeah i guess it's everything that you sort of pick up along those three months and uh yeah, sort of take, taking it there and sort of see how you can develop things, really. So you had to leave your business to to go away and do this? Um, it was, some of it was residential. So some of it, you were away. Uh, other, other elements were sort of online, sort of interactive online learning. Um, and then, yeah, sort of throughout the week, you had, I guess, almost like coursework as well. So it was quite quite a lot of hours involved but it was designed to be done around your business because obviously they they understand that yeah it's a it's more more than the full-time job running running your own business so to try and fit something like that in as well is obviously quite quite a a big undertaking but there there was quite a lot of support that i mean the the organization setup of it is unbelievable um it's yeah it was hugely hugely beneficial to me and i can't thank them enough for for everything that they, they've done really and you were um on the course to 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 learn stuff um did you also meet other retailers on the course or were they in completely different spheres um there were very few um b2c companies most were b2b so it, it was quite a different i guess everyone's challenges i guess running their own business are pretty much the same regardless of what you do and it was quite nice to sit in a room full of people who just everyone was on the same page mm. the the fact that we all did very different things um didn't really affect it because i think a lot of the challenges are, are exactly the same um i think yeah just just the, the contacts and the the sort of the network that we've built up over those few months i mean we still keep all keep in touch really um and it's been yeah huge support if you have a, ba- a bad day and you pick up the phone and just give one of them a call um yeah someone's there and we'll just we'll just help you so yeah it's, it's, it's been really really good could 
that not work in the bike industry in that you know a shop in say where i am in newcastle could be in an organization uh where you all met up and you shared very very trade centric uh issues because that that used to happen in the industry with the association of cycle traders having local local chapters it doesn't seem to happen so much anymore do you think that would be beneficial for bike shops to to in effect do what you did with the goldman sachs thing which is meet up now and again chew the fat and and talk through the the various challenges and issues that the industry is facing um or do you meet other bike shops i don't know do you converse with bike shops normally not hugely no i I, I, yeah, I guess to some extent, friends that you've sort of built up over the years, but I, I don't see that that would necessarily benefit. I, I don't think it's necessarily needed. Um, I think, I guess it's quite a classic thing of just always looking inside what you do. I think the biggest growth area is to actually look at what other people are doing, what other industries and sectors are doing. And yeah, sort of, I guess get out of the bubble, really. Um, it's easy to just sit in the bubble and just worry about what's happening right in front of you whereas actually the bigger bigger market forces are happening elsewhere really on the retail side on well, all, all forms of business but especially retail it does seem that retail is is transforming mainly because of you know the amazons and the and the waitrose online you know getting your your groceries delivered you know you, you even get your detergents uh, bought online now yeah i think um online and sort of technologies available now are just changing consumer habits i think at the end of the day like the cycle industry is one really small sector within obviously quite a large retail industry and no matter what the cycle industry tries to do itself like it's it's being affected by by sort of a, a broader picture customer like consumer habits and expectations are being influenced and changed by yeah by your companies like amazon um the the cycle industry itself i think it needs to accept that those changes are happening and and move with that sort of embrace change because at the end of the day you can't sit there and you can't sit there and expect the customer to do what they always have done in order to keep your business going um, i think you need to understand that like, we're all consumers at the end of the day we need to we need to respect that we're all looking after our own pockets we're all sort of budgeting and i think customers shouldn't be expected to pay over the odds almost to sort of subsidize your business um it's, you need to offer value and value looks different to everyone but yeah you need to you need to be constantly aware of what what customers expect and how you can actually cater for that really so any bike shops complaining about chain reaction and, and wiggle, if you actually ask them, but do you order from Amazon or from Waitrose online or from wherever? And they say yes. It's like, well, you can't really complain because if you're doing it, that's why your customers are also doing it. Yeah. I don't think there would be anyone that could honestly say they don't look for a cheap price on something when they go shopping. So, And if they, if, if they say that they don't, I would question it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and if they do, then yeah, how, how are they any different to, to their customers really? So yeah, I think sometimes it's just, it's fr- frustrations, I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the internet's the biggest problem 
I don't think the online retailers are the biggest problem. So, so clearly you're, you, you, you were set up in, in your business, uh, it's, which is a relatively new business, in that all of these, these are, uh, factors that have been affecting bike shops were already in existence. You know, the, 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 the churn of, of uh, the retail, of, of online selling was happening absolutely when you create your shop. So you're not an old school shop changing. You were set up with all of these things in mind. Um, yeah, I think we... I think we set up with quite an old school mentality. We just bought stuff and sold it and didn't really have a plan in place, to be honest. Um, I think when we moved into the bigger shop um, five, nearly five years ago now, um, that's when we sort of put in a cafe. I guess I've seen the Rafa cafe, thought it sounded like a good idea. Um, and yeah, just, just decided to, to give it a go, really. Just, I didn't just want a coffee machine in the corner. I thought if we're going to do it, we need to do it properly. We need to be somewhere where people are happy to pay for their coffee rather than just almost expecting to walk in and just get a free coffee just to stand around and chat about bikes. So that's kind of where the, the cafe element came. Um, everything else kind of, it just it sort of evolves really. So it's always looking at new new things, how we can how we, how we can improve really. So are you a trained barista as well then? Who, who does the coffees in your shop? Um, to start off with, yeah, it was just ourselves. So um Every, everyone in there can make coffee basically um we do also have somebody because it got to the point where it was so busy we got we got somebody in just to pretty much run the cafe mm. so um so yeah we, i don't make that many coffees anymore but yeah i can certainly can certainly make a flat white <laughs> <laughs> well when i come in i will uh i will ask for you personally to pull me an espresso and see what it's like you can't go wrong with an espresso <laughs> thanks to cherry dipple her shop's website and her blog can be found in the show notes, which, as always, are stored on the-spokesman.com. There'll be another show along in a short while. Meanwhile, get out there and ride. Ride.